Hi guys, it's Hannah. Welcome back to the second episode of my podcast, The Hypochondriac's Guide. I spend a lot of time thinking about strange and terrible ways that I might die, and now, with the help of this podcast, you can too. Today I'm going to be talking about a mysterious disease that sprung up right in our own backyard. This disease is called acute flaccid myelitis. It's more commonly known as AFM, partly because acute flaccid myelitis is a bit of a mouthful, but maybe also because some people have trouble using the word flaccid in reference to something so serious. The symptoms of AFM are indeed serious. In fact, they're frighteningly similar to polio. Symptoms start off with a fever, cough, and sore throat, sometimes accompanied by gastrointestinal illness incredibly common symptoms that could be indicative of hundreds of illnesses, most of them not concerning. However, in five or so days, symptoms progress to headache, stiff neck, and pain in one or more limbs. Over a period of hours or days, limb weakness will set in. This may range from mild weakness to total paralysis. Weakness or paralysis is caused by lesions on the spinal cord, which can be seen on an MRI scan. Occasionally, lesions also occur on the brainstem, a part of the brain that sits directly above the spinal cord. When the spinal cord is damaged, signals from the brain can't travel to the muscles, which is what causes paralysis. So if the lesions on the spinal cord are causing paralysis, what's causing the lesions? The scary part is that we don't know. I mentioned before that AFM symptoms are similar to polio, and indeed, some cases of AFM seem to be associated with enteroviruses, which are in the same family of virus as polio. However, other cases of AFM seem to be associated with West Nile virus and even with adenoviruses. And most of the time, adenoviruses don't cause anything more serious than a cold. In still other cases, no viral infection can be identified and there's no apparent cause of the disease. So a lot of the time, we have no idea what's triggering this disease. Even for viruses associated with AFM, there's very little information about what causes some people to get sick with just a cold and others with long-term paralysis. In cases where AFM seems to be associated with a virus, there's two main hypotheses about how AFM occurs. The first hypothesis is that the virus itself is attacking the cells in the spinal cord, leaving these lesions. The second hypothesis is that AFM is an autoimmune condition. In other paralytic illnesses, like Guillain-Barre, for example, a virus can trigger the body's immune response to go into overdrive. Essentially, the immune system hugely overreacts to a threat and starts to attack the body's own tissue. So it might be cells in our own immune system that are attacking the spinal cord. If AFM is a direct result of a virus, treatment with antivirals makes the most sense. If AFM is autoimmune, there are many treatments that can dampen down the immune response. So, it would seem like all we have to do to find out the cause of this disease is see what treatments work best, right? Unfortunately, that's wrong. AFM patients have been treated with different types of antivirals and several different types of immunosuppressant treatments, and not a single one of the treatments appear to have any effect whatsoever on the progression of the disease. Although some recovery usually occurs, about 75% of people with AFM still had significant motor deficits a year after their initial diagnosis. AFM predominantly affects children, but has been noted in adults too. An epidemiological study of cases from 2012 to 2015 in the United States did not identify any common travel patterns between affected individuals, meaning they had likely acquired this condition locally within the United States. Furthermore, the majority of patients had received all of the recommended vaccinations, including those for polio. Right now, AFM is pretty rare. There are less than 150 cases in the United States per year. But AFM is also relatively new. 
there seems to be little data on this condition before 15 years ago, so it's very hard for us to predict the spread of this disease. Many of the viruses that are associated with AFM have been infecting humans for hundreds if not thousands of years. So why has AFM only started showing up now? It's possible that we just didn't notice it before, or that a lack of advanced diagnostic techniques caused it to be confused for other paralytic illnesses like polio or Guillain-Barre. That's probably the most comforting explanation. A much more disturbing possibility is that these viruses have somehow acquired mutations which make them more likely to cause AFM. Since viruses and bacteria are relatively simple organisms compared to plants and animals, they can mutate very quickly, and there's a much higher chance that a random mutation will be beneficial to the organism. Just one example of this can be seen in antibiotic-resistant pathogens. Just a few years after an antibiotic is developed, we already start to see strains of bacteria that are resistant to the new antibiotic. As a side note, antibiotic resistance is fascinating and a major problem globally, but I'll talk more about that in a later episode. Anyway, getting back to AFM, there is evidence that some, but not all cases of AFM, are caused by a relatively new strain of virus. A study performed in the Western United States found that about half of patients with AFM were infected with enterovirus D68. Importantly, all of the patients with AFM and enterovirus D68 had the exact same strain of enterovirus D68. This strain is relatively new, having first been identified only in 2010. So it's highly possible that this strain of enterovirus has acquired a mutation that makes it more likely to cause AFM than other strains. As I mentioned before, AFM is pretty rare right now, but at one time, polio was pretty rare too, and then it ballooned to epidemic proportions in the United States in the early and mid-1900s, with nearly 60,000 cases reported at the height of the epidemic in 1952. The eradication of polio from most of the planet is a testament to the truly amazing power of vaccination. Right now, we don't know if AFM could eventually become the next polio, which is why it is so, so important that we continue to fund scientific research and support vaccination campaigns in general. Currently, the best way to prevent AFM is to wash your hands, which, good lord, I hope you are already doing. Clearly, more research needs to be done on AFM. Without knowing what causes it, it's hard to develop treatments and impossible to develop vaccines. If you want to know more, check out the CDC website or Dr. Charles Chu, that's C-H-I-U, at UCSF, whose lab specializes in viral infections. There's not really anything that you personally can do about AFM, but if the idea of paralyzed children upsets you because, I don't know, you're not a monster, Consider making a donation to one of the organizations providing polio vaccinations to children in developing countries. If you liked this podcast, or if you didn't, please rate it and leave a comment on iTunes. Your feedback is really helpful for me. Thanks so much for listening to the Hypochondriac's Guide. See you next time!